0: The pandemic has really emphasized the important role of, of internal and employee communications. So critical to navigating the last two years and creating collaboration and connective fiber to your employees who are not in the office. They aren't in collaborative spaces. They aren't seeing each other every day. And so internal and employee comms has been the glue that has held us all together.
1: Welcome to the Executive Communications Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruton, founder of Agate Executive Communications in Portland, Oregon. Every day, leaders are taking advantage of new ways to communicate with their clients, employees, and the press. From podcasting, video, and innovative tactics to engage on social media. On the Executive Communications Podcast, we talk with the people behind the scenes that are crafting the strategy and messaging for their executive teams, and dig into the evolution of how leaders communicate to move their organizations forward. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Executive Communications Podcast, a series where we explore all things communications and modern strategies that leaders are using especially during this time, the past 20 months. So I'm very excited to have my next guest, Justin Saya, the Acting Vice President of Marketing Communications for Silicon Valley-based Bloom Energy. Uh, Justin is responsible for elevating Bloom's reputation and profile as a leading energy and technology company. Welcome, Justin.
0: Dan, thank you so much for having me. It's great to join you.
1: So, you know, we got a chance to chat before we uh, hit the record and we can maybe roll up her sleeves and get into it. But I, I think it's always nice to hear, if you don't mind giving folks a little overview of your kind of your role and maybe a little bit of your career journey because we're going to get into that more too.
0: Well, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, happy to get into it. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, right now I'm leading communications and uh, corporate marketing at Bloom Energy, as you've said at the top of the segment here, really focused on reputation, thought leadership, credibility, you know, Bloom is a 21 a year old company, but uh, three years really post IPO. And so okay. still in kind of the early stages, when you look at late life cycle industries of uh, making a name for itself in the energy space. So uh, growing really, really quickly, staffing up, hiring up, uh, rolling out new products and services uh, very, very quickly. But uh, we're at a, obviously in a place where we're really professionalizing, investing in the business for growth. and mm. so. You know, I've been here for about two years now and really been growing the team and growing the velocity of the company. We, we've got a, a growth trajectory, and expectation from the market that we're going to grow long term. And I think we're well positioned. We've got a great leadership team to help us get there. And, you know, communications and marketing are going to be a key part of that as we go forward. And you've seen the company uh, recognize that and make significant investments in both people and programs in relation to, to those uh, those functions.
1: Yeah. Thanks for that context. And I know a little bit about your background. Uh, you know, you have worked in kind of on the political spectrum, but also served as a spokesperson for some companies. So if, um, if you don't mind giving a, just a little bit of context of that too, I think that'd be really helpful.
0: Yeah, sure. The interesting thing about what we do in this space, is you try to describe your career and, and where you've been and what you've done. And I'll boil it down to this. My, my wife describes what I do as, you know, he's just a loud mouth and a pretty face, which is, you know, I think there's probably some truth to that. And it's probably not the side of the coin that I would like. My son says that, you know, daddy is just loud and crazy. So you see, you see a reoccurring theme emerging a, across uh, across that space. But, you know, I, I really come from a, what I would consider a non-traditional pathway for a communicator. I'm essentially a failed engineer. I started in college as an engineer, chemical engineer, and found out after tours in pulp and paper industry and textiles in college that, hey, maybe this was not where I wanted to spend my life Uh, and had a bit of an awakening one day in a fluid transport class and said, maybe my skills are best served elsewhere. And so uh, it ended up really in a political track coming out of college, which is an interesting space. So as I mentioned earlier, non-traditional pathway. I, I, I'm not APR accredited, I'm not a journalism. I don't have a journalism background. I don't have a master's in communications. So in many cases, I would say I have a bit of a ugly duckling background in, in the way that I ended up in, in PR, but cut my teeth in the hard knocks of, of the political spectrum, campaign politics, uh, working in state government, working in federal government on the Hill, And, you know, I think from the political world, which I think chewed me up and spit me out for the better, learned a lot, grew a lot and developed a lot, particularly in the external affairs space. And so, you know, today I fashion myself less of maybe a traditional communicator and more of a corporate strategist thinking carefully about how we leverage this nexus of public affairs, corporate communications, investor relations, policy, comms, Mm -hmm. government affairs, community relations to drive organizational value, improving reputation, enhancing credibility, protecting license to operate, particularly in many of the industries I've worked in, highly regulated, complex, and turbulent environments. Mm-hmm. And that, that is kind of the story of my background through and through. have been uh, part of a great number of crises, none of which I hope I started, but, uh, <laughs> but, but was certainly a part of and, and in many yeah. cases helped find a way through some of those complex situations.
1: Yeah. No, thanks for that. And I want to dig in on, I love that, you know, you, you're positioning your team and and not only you from your careers, you know, a strategist, right? Really, instead of just, you you know, my wife thinks the same thing or my kids, he's just talking all the time, yelling on zoom or whatever it is. It's, but you're really, (laughs) you know, moving the the needle for the company in a really strategic way that that communications plays a part of. So, you know, what are some of the things in these past Really tough times the past you know twenty months that you did that were you know different than before, as far as on a strategic level with communications or anything you can share
0: yeah I, you know it's, it's what a what a what a weird couple of years it's been uh for everyone, yeah. right everybody's been challenged in personal circumstances, health and safety and and then learning to work in this environment has been incredibly challenging, like you and and many of your listeners have been sitting at home largely for two years. Uh, with a toddler in many cases at home running around sometimes with clothes on, sometimes not <laughs> in the background of zoom calls and you know there's a level of of shame that comes with that, but I think there's also a level of uh humanness and humility that yeah. comes from that too and so I think learn just learning to be different, learning to be vulnerable uh in front of many of your peers, we are connecting mm-hmm. as human beings on a way on a level we've not in the past, particularly with our work colleagues and so That's been really special, I think, to get to know people and learn about people on a truly human level outside of the office in their living rooms. And so uh, as a communicator, we've been really challenged, as you know, with events going completely virtual, with Mm -hmm. media not willing to travel and people not actually traveling and spending time together. It's been hard to connect on a human level. So much of what we do in communications and in this space Uh, in marketing is very hand-to-hand. It's very relationship-oriented. And that has been tremendously challenging because you can only connect with someone so much through a digital screen and uh, and really get to know people on a human level through a digital screen. So we've had to find other ways to get to know each other and to build relationships. I think it's required more hands-on, more meetings, which is probably why we're all really tired and exhausted yeah. from the last couple of years. More meetings, more conversations, more phone calls. I, I'd say I'd do a lot more work by phone rather than Zoom. You know, just hmm. picking up the phone and calling people impromptu and spending time with them and getting to know them. We'd normally do this over, over lunch, right? Or over coffee yeah. and face-to-face. But uh, so much of that is, has changed uh, over the last two years. And it's changing the way that that we create these moments and, and engage with people. Certainly, you know, the digital space has become far more prevalent as folks have had time, idle time in some cases, and are mm-hmm. spending a lot more time uh, on social media and engaging in that environment. So we've put a lot more emphasis in digital. And I, I think, you know, candidly, the pandemic has really emphasized the important role of, of internal and employee communications. Mm-hmm. Uh, so critical, to navigating the last two years and creating collaboration and connective fiber to your employees who are not Mm -hmm. in the office. They aren't in collaborative spaces. They aren't seeing each other every day. And so internal and employee comms has been the glue that has held us all together. So I think you're really seeing a, a rise in the respect and importance for employee and internal comms as a result absolutely. of the pandemic. And I don't see that changing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you, you know, uh, uh, Stacey from Visa, who was just had on as a guest, obviously talked a lot about that too, what they're doing. It's, I totally agree. And so I'm curious, you know, Stacy talked about some, you know, a lot of videos her CEO was doing and things. What are, when you look at your leadership team, have, have they done similar things or tr- or maybe you're doing that before? I'm just curious as far as the engagement uh, with employees.
0: Yeah, we, we've, we've had to, Engage our employees in a way that we either weren't doing before, or have had to find really creative ways to engage employees. We created a lot of programs uh, with our colleagues in the HR and culture teams that I think we're proud of and, and don't see going away because it's really shaped the culture uh, of who we are and, and kept us connected. Uh, mm-hmm. So as we as we transition back into the office and, and back into more of a in person environment, you're going to see a lot of those programs that were created during the pandemic stay and and more Mm. investment. So I think for us, we started with internally with a series we call Employee Connect, where we're taking employees and giving them access to functions and leaders at all different levels that they might not normally interact with, right? So Mm. really shining the light on different parts of our organization and bringing those projects and people out into the open and exposing our our, uh, business colleagues to unique aspects of our business. And and I think that's been really interesting exposure for uh, teams and projects that wouldn't normally be so visible. So that's number one. Number two, we added a series called Empowered Community. And this is kind of taking the uh, Employee Connect idea that's internal and extending it to the community that we live and we serve in, so inviting elected leaders where our operations are, California, Delaware, and others, to come in and spend time with our employees and have a fireside chat and a conversation. We do stream those live for the okay. community as well, which is which is mm. really great that we're able to do that and share that thought leadership and that voice, but give our employees direct access to those who are are leading their communities. And so that's been a great way to keep our employee base, not only connected to each other, but also to the community in which they're living in. And as you know, mm. With no t ball games and churches yeah. closed, and and all of these limitations on society over the last couple of years, being able to connect community in this way has been unique and special. So, you know, a couple of key items that we've added: we've added some master classes, we've done meditation sessions. Uh, I, I, the master class series was really fun and entertaining, where you're drawing up, um, upon the talents of your unique workforce, whether it's uh, knife sharpening or uh, wine tasting. Or making kombucha, uh, yeah. we've seen we've seen it all, and again, kind of drawing upon the richness of the diverse heritage of your employee base to create experiences has been so really t- really interesting.
1: Yes, yeah, sorry to interrupt, you, but so you're actually t- having employees it's, it's, lead these masterclasses, not correct? Really yeah, okay, been, cool. that's
0: right. We, we we're not being prescriptive. We're asking employees yeah. to uh, bring forward their unique contributions and backgrounds and experiences, and to share those with the broader employee populace. So. There's a great deal of of cultural uh, diversity that shines through there, mm-hmm. cross pollination that shines through there, and uh, I think we've learned a few things. I certainly have uh, over the last few years as a result of that.
1: I love that. I'm going to steal that, that <laughs> concept. <laughs> I'm sure other companies are doing it, but it, it's that's really really cool and engaging, and you know it just opens that floodgates of accessibility for folks too. And what do you um what do you foresee maybe? Adding on to that as because I think I don't know if your office is back mostly in person yet or, or kind of hybrid, probably like everybody else. Yeah,
0: we, we we've definitely, you know, we're more of an office centric culture, but have started to make the transition back in for for those who are comfortable, you know, obviously, with the variants still kind of raging and, and vaccine rollout still uh, limited yeah. for children. You know, every, everyone has kind of unique circumstances, but we are moving back that direction I have really enjoyed being back in the office, you know, having, having been at home for two years, it was great to get back in and have some human interaction and some human contact and those kind of pop in touch points with, with coworkers that you just didn't get sitting at home on your couch and, and your, your sweatpants on a Tuesday. Sad to admit, but that's the reality for many of us for the last couple of years, but Mm -hmm. that's changing. I'm invigorated by it. I'm excited by it. It's great to be back. It's great to see people's smiling faces again. And, you know, I think we're looking forward to creating more in-person experiences and programs. You know, we've we've just come through a celebration of Diwali last week at our Mm -hmm. office, which was just tremendous camaraderie and and just a, a coming together of the community here. Which was just a wonderful experience, and then we had a Halloween costume party recently. So really, kind of easing cool. people back yeah. into it, but giving folks a reason to be here and to, a reason to come back and enjoy one another again. And I think for a wow. lot of people, they've forgotten how much enjoyment that brought to their life.
1: Absolutely, it's like it's been long enough where we do forget how much we that you know just fuels us or or feeds us, right? So I, I love that, and you know, one of the things is you know, some of the different things you were doing. I want to get back to your colleagues on your executive team. Did they kind of like you know, your CEO, other other folks, did they embrace the different way of communicating, whether it's internally or externally, or was it a little bit of coaching? Was it a little bit of uh, nudging? Or I'm curious on that.
0: No, I, I think we've got we've got a great leadership team, a really dynamic group of people that come from all walks of life, prolific backgrounds from from years of service to in many cases iconic brands part of the success of some of these programs is because we've had executive champions and sponsors who really leaned in, and in some cases, to lead these efforts, to support these efforts, to bring uh, voices in to some of those conversations from the outside, uh, people on their Rolodex and their network. So um, that that buy-in and that support has come from the executive team. And I think they've really been at the forefront of leading some of these efforts. And I think with that buy-in and that support and that visible face, uh yeah. it's why these programs succeed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think for kind of the next topic conversation, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of your The crisis work you've done, the crisis communications, and the things that you can share just uh, as a communicator, how you've grown from it. But I think there's a lot to dig into. So I don't know where to start with that, but maybe... (laughs) It feels like a loaded,
0: (laughs) really feels like a loaded
1: question, Dan. It really really does. I'm not trying to get get you by any means. I think it's more, you know, where I'm interested in digging in is what have you learned instead of, you know, being a spokesperson necessarily when these things might happen, coaching maybe executives or... you know, strategies you've been able to kind of evolve through different things you've had to go through that have been really effective, but come off really authentic and empath- empathetic as well, if that makes sense. I, I
0: think that's a, it's a great starting point. You know, uh, having having been through the oil spill with BP and Deepwater Horizon or, you know, a uh, uh, corporate campaign at, at, at Nissan, it' have been through a lot over the years. And you learn from all of those experiences, I would say, you know, your first real high-level corporate crisis, you don't know what you're doing, right? You've yeah. never been in this moment. You've you've been trained, you, you know, been equipped with some mm-hmm. tools and resources, but you're never really ready for that moment. And I think as you go through these experiences over and over, it becomes more habit. You harden a little bit from it. But in that moment, you also become, I think, much more calm and confident in how to deal with some of these circumstances. So, you know, I was the fledgling early on running around with my hair on fire in my first crisis. And now having been through a number of these kind of big corporate reputation type uh, events, you you approach it with a stillness and a level of calm in organization because you've seen how this plays out, often through your own errors Mm -hmm. and your own experiences of the past, while everyone else is kind of swirling You're focused on what do we do next? How do we organize people? How do we create information flow? How do we calm people? How do we create uh, genuine authenticity in the information that we release to the public or to those impacted? How are we uh, empathetic in our messaging and our conversations with those who are impacted by these situations? Because there is really a human element, a human toll to communities, to employees. Oftentimes, employees are a forgotten stakeholder in all of this. Mm. Uh, uh, Crisis creates trauma for employees and their families. Uh, That was a a real learning from our experience in the oil spills. Of course, there were massive uh, external impacts. But at the end of the day, you have a, a company, a global company, hundreds of thousands of employees, and many of them are working at other parts of the world. And because the brand was Tarnished and there was reputational damage done, those employees in other parts of the business were, were judged. Their, yeah. uh, their families were judged by association. And that can be really traumatic and, and difficult for employees. And so recognizing that is, is important. So, uh, you know, I think as you go through these, you don't always have the answers. I, I will never have all of the answers, but mm-hmm. you start to see patterns emerge. You start to have, a, again, a level of stillness and calm. I think, more slowly to move to action. You're taking it all in. You're assessing the situation. And in that stillness comes solutions oftentimes and problem solving and, and strong strategic thinking.
1: That's really, really important insight. I didn't even honestly, as you know, as someone outside looking in some of these things that have happened, tragedies, obviously the, the VP thing was very public. You know, Thinking about the employees, right? And, and like you said, it's a traumatic experience. I think that's cr- really great. Uh, insight to put them front and center. You know, as we kind of, I guess, near the end of our conversation, what I always love to ask folks is, is for people getting er, you know into communications early, early in their career, maybe coming right out of college. What are some things you can pass on? You know, advice, career advice, or maybe specific to communications, especially as things are changing. I would say more than every once a day, many times a day. uh, (laughs) I think that would be really valuable too.
0: Yeah. Happy to offer some contributions there. You know, it's interesting because I ended up in this career field accidentally and Mm -hmm. I'll share some advice that I got along the way. The first advice I got was as a college student, Trying to understand what do I do with my life, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I was thinking, do I want to get into politics? Uh, do I want to get into communications, journalism, history, English? I wasn't sure, but I knew I, I knew I liked to write. I knew I enjoyed, you know, kind of verbal prose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I got some advice to to call a, a colleague. So I called randomly one day to to the Hill to to Washington D.C. I called a mm-hmm. congressman's office. There was a chief of staff there who I did not know, but it was sort of a third-party connection, said, call this gentleman. He can give you some advice. And, and so I spoke to this gentleman, and he said uh, he was very gracious with his time, particularly for someone he had never never, never knew and had no, no reason to spend time with. He said, you need to spend some time to get published. That will help you in this career journey that you're, you're on and where you're aspirationally headed towards. And I thought, okay, well, that's easy. I'll, mm-hmm. just, I'll just go yeah. home and write some things and I'll get published and this yeah. will open up all sorts of career paths for me. Uh, I, I now see that the whole point he was making was it's hard to get published. Uh, you try, you try, you try, and you fail. Mm-hmm. I was writing op-eds and firing them off to every newspaper I could and got a lot of rejections. What, what that was doing for me was making me hone my craft, right? Mm-hmm. I was learning how to write about topics of the day. And in failure, I grew. And eventually I did get published uh, in several papers and got noticed uh, by a lieutenant governor uh, by his office who was looking for someone to help bolster their external relations and speech writing. And they said, call that young lad in. <laughs> We'd like mm-hmm. to talk to him about that op-ed he wrote. And uh, they offered me a job and and that's really what got me into this kind of communications external relations space. So I think first and foremost is learn, learn to write and yeah. really hone your craft and, and to spend time with that because writing is an invaluable resource. The other piece of advice, and this one might go really against the grain uh, about how do I get into communications? I, I would actually say, go do something else. And what hmm. I mean by that is communications is much more strategic than it once was. Boards of directors, leadership teams are seeing the value of communication, seeing the value of marketing. It's no longer a cost center, right? It drives i r sentiment it drives customer action, drives policy decisions. so what I mean by going and doing something else is having a broader mindset from having dabbled in places like policy or finance or engineering community relations makes you a better storyteller because mm. you have depth and exposure to areas of the business that you will ultimately serve from this perch, okay so I think folks going into this or looking to go into a career field like this should recognize there are lots of pathways, and many of them are not so obvious. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the skills of writing and speaking, relationship building, decisiveness, all of those kind of critical skills that are needed for this career field can be developed in many different places. And so the path may not always be a straight one, uh, but there are many tentacles and ways into this world. It all Different points of your career. I didn't come straight into communications. It was really through the political lens that I ended up here. So, um, so I think that's that's a piece that uh, many many folks may not be thinking about is I can get there through other pathways, mm-hmm. and you should explore those.
1: Well, thanks for sharing that, Justin. Every guest I've had, it's there. There's a through line, right? It's, it's keeping storytelling front and center. Practice, you know, like honing writing. That's just I think still. We all know folks uh, that are getting high in their career and you're just like, they can barely put a sentence together. <laughs> and we're, not, we're not calling anybody out or anything, but, you know, I think it, it, it's definitely something to keep in front of the center. So thank you so much for sharing, Justin. If, and if people want to connect with you or learn more, where can folks, you know, find you or more about, you know, Bloom as well?
0: Well, you can find Bloom at bloomenergy.com. We're also on social social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, LinkedIn. I'm certainly in all of those places as well and would love to connect with other like-minded communicators that are out there and looking for uh, conversations in this space.
1: Thanks so much, Justin.
0: Thanks for the time, Dan.
1: Thank you for listening to the Executive Communications Podcast. To learn more about our guest and have a deeper dive into each episode, visit com. That's a g a t e executivecommunications.com